Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey everyone, before we jump into today's episode, just through some prayer and some post-editing comments and things that I was thinking about, I wanted to give this disclaimer before we jumped in. Uh, There's going to be some talk throughout this episode of redefining sin. That's what I initially was going to title this series. Since then, I haven't really felt good about that. I haven't felt like that was accurate. Obviously, we don't think that sin has changed definitions over the last, you know, thousand, few thousand years. Um, However, we do want to kind of present it in a way that might be different than what you've typically thought about it, and we want to kind of give some different angles or perspectives of it. And so that's what we're really about. I just want to clarify that, and in the coming weeks, there's going to be some further clarification on some different things we talk about, but still felt like this episode was appropriate to put out there and interested in your feedback. So if you do have any questions or concerns, always you can send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com. We'd be happy to have further discussion about anything that you might have any questions or concerns about. Okay, with that, let's jump into the episode. Well, hello. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Mission City Church podcast. This is Sarah. I was on last week. Um, I get to be married to the typical host, Jake, who is with me here now. Babe, how are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm doing okay. I was watching this video this morning of a kid do he was juggling rubik's cubes three of them and solving them at the same time set the world record for the fastest uh three rubik's cube solve while juggling never dropped a cube four and a half minutes my mind is blown and i've just kind of been dealing with this feeling that i'll never measure up or never do something quite as impressive as this 13 year old kid i watched on a uh, video today, uh, this morning, I think, I think it was like Facebook or YouTube or something, but anyway, uh, I, so I've been dealing with that, but other than that, everything's going pretty well. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for doing some of the hosting today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, um, I just want to affirm it in you that you are doing great things. Uh, you. <laughs> you don't need to solve a Rubik's cube in the air to do that. Um, currently pondering why we're still having the Rubik's cube conversation. Seems like that died about 10 years ago. Um, but <laughs> moving on, we are here to talk about sin today. Jake, do you want to jump right in? What is sin? Yeah, so we are starting a new series this week, and we're going to be diving into, uh, right now, the the thought I have for uh, the title of this series is going to be Redefining Sin. Uh, I hope if you're listening to this, and that's not what the title is, between the time that I'm recording this currently and the time that you're listening to it, something better has hit me. But uh, the idea is that we're going to kind of give a, some general definitions, some ways that we have uh, thought of sin in our lives and it's been taught to us, and then also some maybe more, I don't want to say that uh, they're creative. Creative seems like the wrong word, but maybe some alternative views of sin that might uh, inspire you, might um, give you some courage or encouragement to be 
more holy in your life or to pursue righteousness more, uh, to view the sin in your life differently, not to uh, put judgment or shame or guilt on you. That's absolutely not what we're trying to do, but uh, maybe give you a perspective, uh, uh, maybe maybe give you a perspective of sin that's more the way God sees sin as opposed to um, the shameful, guiltful, judgmental way that um, sometimes we are taught to believe that sin is should be looked at. And so that's kind of what we're hoping to do with this series. We've got a number of different ways to reframe sin um, or redefine as we're currently leaning towards titling it. But yeah, I'm excited to jump into it with you. Yeah, um, I am curious. What are your thoughts on, you know, somebody seeing the podcast title, Redefining Sin, um, initial reactions to like, ooh, sin is a heavy topic. What do you think some initial emotion or thoughts are in just like your average person seeing that on a podcast? Would you even click on it? Would you even listen if, you know, you didn't know what we were talking about in detail? Yeah, well, I'm hoping so. (laughs) Um, I think that hopefully maybe the redefining part of the title will maybe give somebody a, a peek behind the scenes of, hey, this isn't maybe what you've thought of sin all your life, or this isn't maybe what you've been told sin is. I'm hoping that there's maybe some freedom that you find in this series. I'm hoping that, again, that there's encouragement. Um, Maybe, here's the thing, we all have different motivations for why we do what we do, and there's a chance that maybe along this series you'll find a new motivation to uh, seek what God has for you in your life as opposed to maybe some of the um, things that you're living in that God doesn't desire for you. So, yeah, I'm hoping you you bring up an interesting point, though. I'm hoping that it's not a a turnoff for people to see that word sin in there. However, I think I'm not sure that there's a way that we can get around not putting it in the title, given it's going to be kind of the general um, or the focal point of the series. Right. Yeah. Um, So, like we're talking about defining, redefining sin, like let's define it for the people listening, for the context of this conversation that we're having. Are we going all the way back to the fall or um, have you pulled other scripture that can help us understand kind of a baseline of what sin is? Yeah. So a great question. I have a number of different kind of ways that it's been defined to me, uh, ways that we find definitions in scripture. And this is part of the motivation for the series as a whole is that sometimes sin can almost feel like a moving target as well. Uh, I don't know if you felt like that in your walk with Jesus, but just kind of almost wondering, well, like, is this specific act sin? Is it not? Should it matter that if it's sin or not? Like, what should my level of how I respond to sin be? How should I define sin? Sometimes that's just like we don't have a framework or a definition for it. And so uh, before I jump into any of the maybe the scriptural definitions here, I'll just kind of share with you how I grew up kind of understanding what sin was. And then I'm curious to hear yours as well. But when I was first learning to follow Jesus or discipling, or I was being discipled, uh, sin was basically the thing that separates you from God. It is something that God hates. It's something that is the reason why we need salvation. It's uh, a reason for judgment. It's a reason that God may be even angry or upset with us. Uh, sin is something that is just basically bad. It's wrong. It's evil. And it was a pretty heavy emphasis on how like 
evil and bad it was. And I don't want to make it sound like we're going to change that at all, but it was, it was all about my, at least my framework growing up was all about sin is bad and God doesn't want you to do it. So it sounds like maybe the focus was on the sin rather than the redemption that Christ has offered us as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my, I've had similar experiences with sin or just learning about sin and growing up. I've gone through seasons, like personally imagining sin as like something that I'm far from. I mean, that's pretty embarrassing to admit, but early on in my life, I would say that I struggle to even identify my sin because I lived a pretty safe attemptedly perfect life. Um, I definitely wasn't perfect, but I, sh- I strove, strove, strived, strived. <laughs> uh-huh. um, strived to be perfect. And that, that was because of the ugliness that I learned that sin was, I wanted nothing to do with it. So, um, I've had seasons of thinking that I don't struggle with a ton of sin. And then I've had recent, more recent seasons of thinking sin is something that, like being scared of it, being terrified that I'm living in sin and that I don't even know it, or that I'm doing something that's sinful and I'm I'm questioning like, okay, is this separating me from God? I don't know. Uh, so trying to identify kind of what it is even in my current life. So I, I don't even know if I'm a, like a good person to have on this episode because I'm still trying to figure it out. In the number of years of Christianity that I've like practiced, I still don't feel like I have a solid grasp on sin that is occurring in my life. Yeah, well, I think that makes you the perfect person to host this episode, at least, to ask the right questions that come up, to maybe challenge or give conjecture on some of the points that I may have or scripture that I may bring up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, not, I'm not glad that that's where you're at, but, I'm, <laughs> you know, for the benefit of our audience, some of the questions and some of the thoughts that you will have probably as we have this conversation are some of the thoughts that, and questions that they're going to have. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's a totally fine place to be on this episode. Uh, I do want to point out too, I think one of the ways that we want to make sure that we're not um, addressing this or one of the ways that we're not you know, trying to define sin, uh, a lot of times, and it sounds like both of our maybe Christian experience or discipling experience growing up was around this idea of sin management. Uh, or behavioral modification type ways where being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus was about sin management. You know, God hates your sin. And so you should do as little of it as possible. And then you end up, you know, falling or, you know, you do sin uh, and then you start to beat yourself up about it or God's angry with you or there's these certain sins maybe that you can't get away from. And it just becomes this spiraling mess of shame and guilt and judgment that you kind of pour on yourself. And so um, that's also one of the reasons why we want to do this series and just kind of dig into the heart of that. And maybe in in restructuring, reframing the way that we view sin, uh, we can start to unravel some of that shame and guilt that we have wrapped around it as well. I have never heard that term or phrase, sin management, and it hits home so much with me. Just thinking about the number of times in my life where I've 
wanted a list of do's and don'ts and I've even created do's and don'ts in my mind and the don'ts are obviously sin and the do's help me from from sinning um and I became almost like a, a robot of a Christian and just going through religion as if it were just something to to make me a good person so I'm I'm excited for that. Let's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's get it, into it. <laughs> a lot of a lot of what that is is we've been trained to just look at sin as what we're not supposed to do, but we're not really told why or mm. how God views it and the why behind what you're not supposed to do. So yeah, that's what we'll get into. Let me give you a few scripture passages. We'll just kind of do maybe let's look at what the how the Bible kind of defines it. We'll look at some of the ways that it's been defined in church history, kind of maybe some of the buzzwords that you've heard in church depending on your church background and uh, we'll go from there. So stop me whenever you have a question or, you know, anything comes up. So, uh starting in Romans Chapter 14 and verse 23, one of the ways that it's been defined is, but whoever has doubt is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That's been a definition that the church has used, that church leaders have used to me. Whatever is done outside of faith is sin. So if you just want a general definition, a blanket umbrella way to look at it, if it's not done out of faith, it is sin. Uh, I think that there is a little bit of issue with that. Um, in the context that Paul's talking about here, if you look at just the beginning half of the verse, talking about eating, drinking, all of those type things, Paul has a lot of other things to say throughout the book of Romans about how the law has been given for certain purposes, how if you are not under the law, then you are not guilty of the law, which is a really interesting one. That's a whole nother uh, series that we could do. But uh, this is, I think, a piece of the definition or maybe one way to look at it, but not maybe the only way. Anything that jumps out to you with that first uh, scripture quote there I mean it sounds daunting if if you're not walking in faith or doing something in faith then you're living in sin yeah I think it also kind of opens the door to the other end of hey everything that I do is out of quote-unquote faith and so I can do whatever I want because I'm you know as long as I'm like I, I this is a, a, an extreme example but if I murder someone in faith well, then is that a sin because I did it out of faith? I guess that that's probably, like I said, that's an extreme example. Maybe obviously not one that's probably going to come up, but it opens the door to the other end of that as well. So that's another reason why I maybe don't love just using that as the umbrella definition. Yeah. Uh, what about the next one? First John 3, 4. Yep. So First John 3, 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So in this case, sin is defined as lawlessness, as a separation from the law, as being uh, departed from a structure, departed from a way of uh, acting according to a certain set of rules and values. And so those would be the rules and values that we find throughout Scripture or you know, in some ways, it's been distorted to, we see with the Pharisees, they're constantly adding more and more rules and values to make their own law. Yeah, so when I, I'm trying to break down lawlessness in my brain and think about, okay, first John, this is after Christ came and died. We know that Christ came to abolish, or not to abolish, but he did abolish the old law, the Old Testament law. And so what law are we talking about here? Yeah. So I want to be really clear. Christ came to fulfill the law. <laughs> uh, but I thought in that, like, I guess abolish our like 
chain to the law? Is that what I'm yeah, in trying a sense, to say? So the law was really created to show God's holiness and wisdom to the rest of the nation. So if you go way back to the first five books of the Bible, of the Old Testament, uh, that's sometimes called the law or the Torah. Uh, it's all these different rules, 613, I believe, uh, different laws that God puts in place in order for his people, the nation of Israel, to be set apart and to show the rest of the nations an example of his wisdom, his goodness, his righteousness. And some of them seem weird, but they all have a purpose of showing God's wisdom and his good way, his good path to the surrounding nations, because the nation of Israel is supposed to be a blessing to the surrounding nations. Now, as we fast forward into the life of Jesus, into our New Testament, his death leads to the openness of the gospel to not just be with the nation of Israel, but also to Gentiles to receive the good news of his blessing to them. He is what the law actually was meant to do, but never could do. And that it mm-hmm. didn't set the people apart because they could not fulfill it. They couldn't uh, obey it. They continued to break it. But because Jesus fulfills the law, he actually does what we could not do and that it sets us apart for God's holiness, his righteousness to be an example to the rest of the world of his wisdom and his goodness. And so uh, when we say, you know, the, it's, it's important that we make that difference between abolishes and fulfills because Jesus doesn't remove the law in the sense that he doesn't remove this idea that God's people are set apart for, with holiness and to show the world his wisdom and kindness and goodness but he fulfills it in that he is the physical representation of God's wisdom and goodness and kindness. And it was poured out on the cross for us to receive. And now we get to share in that vision and wisdom of God. Okay. So then what is that? I feel like I'm going down a a tangent in being distracted by like fulfilling the law versus abolishing the law. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for Gentiles? Yeah. So A lot of this revolves around some of the conversations that we're going to have throughout this series. Paul talks a lot about how if you are not uh, uh, under this law, this actually goes back to that Romans passage where uh, for Israelites, there was a certain laws on food and what was clean and unclean for the Gentiles. It was those laws were not in place. And so they were not under those laws. Um, So, and I think this kind of maybe what is interesting about you asking that question is I'm even correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like I'm picking up, like going back to that do's and don'ts list. Like you want to know, am I, (laughs) is this law no longer apply to me so that I know what not to do and what to do? And I would just say that, uh, even though the law, Jesus fulfills the law, we are as non-Jewish people, I would say we are not under the obedience to the original law. Although God does have a way that he wants us to live and has a certain structure and framework for us to live our lives. And a lot of those same things do apply to us, uh, just maybe not in the same way that they did to the Israelites in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I think I'm just, you know, in having this conversation, I'm realizing I need to spend a lot more time studying and spending time in the word of just trying to identify like what does holy living look like? Yeah. I also think that it's important that we make a point that the spirit is what convicts us of sin. 
And so a lot of times we, uh, as believers or when we're maybe doing discipleship in a maybe less healthy way, uh, we feel the need to be the convictors of someone else's sin of pointing out their unrighteousness or the ways that they've, uh, strayed from the path of God. And, and I would fully support someone who is saying, Hey, uh, I want to come alongside this brother or sister who has strayed from the path. And I believe that they're, you know, doing something sinful and that's leading them away from the path of God. Certainly encourage you to go and have a conversation with them. But uh, ultimately in that person, the Holy Spirit is the only thing that's going to actually convict them of that sin. And so our job is just to lovingly walk alongside them and try to point out maybe some inconsistencies or areas that we can help encourage them to come back. But the Holy Spirit is the only thing that's going to actually bring them back and let them know that they are doing something wrong. And that's the same for us too. So you want to define it. You want to have a list of do's and don'ts. The Spirit's got to reveal that to you in some way. And uh, I think this is part of the series is taking away that mindset of, uh, this is the black and white do's and don'ts of following Jesus and more so looking at it from different angles, such as, you know, what leads me to life versus what leads me to death, uh, what leads me to a path of light versus a path of darkness, what feels like God's good created order as opposed to chaos and disorder, things like that. We're going to get into all of those throughout this series. Yeah, that's good. You know, I love a good spirit conversation and, um, just studying that. So what's your next definition of sin? So let's get into, we'll kind of go through these next few a little bit quicker. These are more so maybe some traditional church definitions that you might've heard growing up if you, depending on how long you've been in church, but uh, just rebellion against God is oftentimes the kind of the buzzword, typical definition. Um, It's throughout the Old Testament. We see that as well. It's, it's a, that's a, that's a solid definition. I would say uh, rebellion against God's good order. His good will is really that, that is probably the, my favorite. If you want to give it a break, a, like an umbrella definition. Um, but I think there's some other ways that we can look at it that make it uh, a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next two you have down on the list are inherited sin and imputed sin. I'm curious, like I, I understand what inherited sin means Mm -hmm. um but is that connected to the fall like inherited all the way back from adam and eve is that connected to generational sin um yeah so you're right on track both of these sins or types of sins actually stem from adam and the original fall in the garden and uh, so inherited sin just like you were talking about inherited it's our inherited fallen nature it's the inherited sinful desires our flesh oftentimes is referred to in scripture and then imputed sin is more so like this idea that because adam sinned then all of humanity after him also kind of is guilty of that sin and so we have been imputed or given this attribute of sin uh, that we are guilty from birth that's really the imputed nature as well so one the inherited sin is more about our character, our nature, and the imputed is more about the the actual guilt of the sin of Adam uh, and his act that then is also attributed to us as well. Both needing forgiveness in the eyes of God, both ways to view sin. Okay, what's next? Yeah, so then finally, the last two here, sins of omission and personal sin. Really the three, if you, if you think about it um, from certain Christian perspectives, the three sins that we most likely see, the three categories that typically get put in is that inherited, imputed, and then personal. And the personal sin would be when you actually act on those desires, when you know this, the, the individual struggles that each, every one of us have that we uh, you know lean into or that we are fighting a daily struggle with maybe. Um, 
Those are the personal sins that we may choose to do. So you have uh, the you know original sin that's been given to us. We have this, the thoughts and the things that we are uh, encourage or, or feel the temptation to do, and then we have the things that we actually act on. So those are your three kind of main types. And then sins of omission is kind of a bonus one. That's the things that we don't realize are sin that we just do without understanding the cause of it or the wrongness of it or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So that's a ton of just information thrown at you um, in a lot of ways that just kind of scripture defines it or the church throughout history has defined it. And this is where we get into kind of the idea of redefining it because there's a number of different ways that you can look at sin, I think, that are actually more helpful for us in the way that we respond to it as opposed to just knowing the definition, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could just end the episode right here and all take away, like go back and reflect on what does sin mean to us? What does scripture say about sin? You know, like my, my mind's already working and I feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm good. I'm good on information, but, um, I am curious, like, so what do we do now? We, we defined it. We have talked about, you know, our, our past with it. What now? Yeah, so let's just take one of these options in the last 15 minutes or so that we have here and take a look at it. Um, So one of the things that I mentioned previously is the option of decreation versus recreation or uh, pre-creation even. Um, And this is kind of, this is going to get a little heady, but I think it's going to be really appreciated as well. So try to stick with me. Again, if I lose you anywhere, let me know. Okay, we'll um, so, do. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, this is the first two verses of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1, Genesis 1, 2. This is the beginning of all existence in the world. I'm not even going to say creation. This is just what is what the, the Play-Doh, the clay that God has to work with to create what we experience today here on earth. It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we see in this creation narrative that God has this plan, this creation mindset, uh, and he's going to create living spaces and create love and joy and peace inside of this harmonious uh, living space. Eventually, we're going to get to this garden that God's going to create in humanity. He's going to create the birds and the fish and the animals and all of this. But what we start with is a formless. It says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. That's what we've got. Without void, or without form, uh, it was void and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, God's creation process is a process of bringing light into this darkness. So there's uh, over the face of this darkness, it's void. God's going to bring light into that darkness. There's the waters, uh, another word that is kind of uh, thought of, or, or this idea of water in the Old Testament is like, like the oceans are like chaotic. Um, if you think about even the oceans today, nothing, we don't really have a force to control the oceans. They are out of our control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even think about like the banks of the land masses, the continents are eroding due to the force of the ocean that is coming against them, right? And so... 
uh, the ocean has this kind of chaotic force to it. These waters that are being talked about, they are formless. There's no banks. There's no way to hold them in. It's this kind of just chaotic, bubbling uh, space. And it's dark and it's void of anything. It's also this without form phrase is also translated as vain, confusion, wilderness, and waste. So you just think about this kind of uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but gobbledygook is what's coming to mind. <laughs> gobbledygook, like, this, uh, like uh, flubber or uh, yeah, slime. <laughs> yeah, but its movements are kind of unpredictable. It's it's massive. It's like in the size of the Earth, right? And it's just it has no direct shape. It's dark. It's chaotic. Um, and so God comes in and he brings order to that chaos. He separates the waters from the seas. Uh, he puts land in. He brings light in. Uh, he's going to uh, separate the heavens from the earth. He's going to give space and air. He's going to create opportunities for life to flourish. And so uh, there's this theme of God's creative order is about bringing light into dark places and bringing order into chaos. That's what he wants to do. And that's his good plan, right? So, uh, sin, if we think about the, even just go back to like the 10 commandments that are given, they are given because the things that they are trying to lead us away from ultimately cause death, destruction, chaos, and darkness. The gobbledygook. The gobbledygook. Exactly. If you think about even the laws of our, we're, so we live in America, uh, we're living in the middle of America in Kansas City. We have laws, we have national laws, we have state laws, we have local city government ordinances, whatever they may be, that try to create order. And if we didn't have any law, if we didn't have any set of rules to live by, it would be chaos. Think of if, if you, I, I, the best thing that comes to mind is like the movie The Purge. I don't know if you've mm, ever seen that one. I, I haven't. That It's too uncomfortable to think about a world sure. without any rules. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Okay, so, but the idea of The Purge, if you haven't seen it, it's about this, like, one night or this 24-hour period where people are literally able to just be lawless. There is no law in the land, and it's complete chaos. Like, consider if murder, like, if you could just die, if someone could just kill you at any moment. That would be a chaotic life. If someone could just take your things, steal from you, that would be a chaotic life. You think about the, um, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've experienced, um, you know, just the, the order that God gives to your life. Um, think of, I, 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 one of the things that always stands out to me about um, how good it is to be a follower of Jesus is this kind of path that I can trust in that God has given to my life. It, he's given order to my life. Otherwise, I think my life would be all about climbing to the top of some corporate ladder or trying to make as much money as possible or trying to have as much like nice things or have fun or just chase all of these things that I'd never be able to catch and they'd be com pretty much completely out of my control, right? That's a chaotic life. Um, so you think about the, the commandments of, you know, do not steal, do not murder, do not have any other gods above me. Uh, God is trying to put laws or commands in place to give us order and structure and a flourishing life. And the things like sin, uh, doing the opposite of God's good order, is taking away his order and creating chaos. Therefore, deconstructing 
what he has done. You can almost think about it in the way that our sin kind of almost pulls at the fabric of the universe in a sense that when we sin, it kind of creates some kind of blip of chaos that happens in our lives, in the world. You think about when you, you know, if you were to stab somebody in the back, like, you know, physically or (laughs) metaphorically, um, create chaos. Um, It it creates tension. It creates friction. um, It it creates a deconstruction of God's good order and his good world. And so uh, I just, this first example of of a way to redefine sin or a way to restructure, reorient the way that we look at it is what is a part of God's good creation and his good plan creation versus decreating or deconstructing the goodness that God has created in the world. While you were talking about this concept of the the waters and the chaos and then God created order and structure, I was physically feeling emotions and sensations of yeah, I've experienced both of those things and I was thinking of times in my life that I I know that I had sinned or was even like habitually living in sin and the the turmoil that was happening within me like it felt like chaos. I physically in my soul felt shaken and chaotic and it was like the moment of repentance came and all of a sudden I had peace again with Jesus. And I can physically remember times in my life where I I experienced that gobbledygook and then <laughs> like bam back to order because of because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the ways that we can use this as a tool for us is if you're curious about if something is sin or if you're kind of worried about the do's and don'ts list, what are the things in your life that create chaos? You know, what are the things in your life that are pulling at the fabric of your peace, of your joy, of the way that you love and care for those around you or even yourself? And that's one way, and I'm not saying it's the perfect definition, but it's one way that you can redefine, reframe how you view sin. Is this lining up with God's good creative order or am I decreating, am I deconstructing the goodness that God has put in place? Am I creating chaos? That's really good. I feel like that in order for us to be aware and be mindful of when that's happening, we have to take time and step away from like the hustle and bustle of life so that we can recognize when we are experiencing that disorder in our souls and then, you know, be able to experience the peace that is offered on the other side of that. So I'm curious, as we end, as we wrap up things here, um, what would you encourage the listeners and me and yourself, like, okay, we've heard this maybe new, maybe you've heard these things before and they're just like being brought to light to you again, um, but what would you encourage us to do between now and next Thursday before the, the next sin podcast comes out? What would you say, like, how do we digest this? What do we do with it? Yeah, it's a good point. So I would encourage you, one, if you have someone in your life that you trust that maybe is a discipler or disciplee or someone that you just share 
spiritual conversations with, have a conversation about this topic with them. Uh, a lot of these things that we're going to be talking about are just conversation starters. Um, just want to get you thinking about these different things. And so uh, one, I would say have a conversation with somebody, introduce these topics to them, uh, let them know what you're kind of what, what makes sense to you, what doesn't make sense to you, see if you can find some common ground. And the other thing I would say, go back to something that we mentioned earlier, just about what is it in your life that's creating chaos? Where do you see this deconstruction or this decreation happening in your life where God's good order is being challenged, where there are these little maybe seeds of doubt or seeds of decreation, this destruction that God, that the enemy is trying to get you to believe and take, take account of those. Um, and maybe that's something that you can consider to view as, Hey, I don't really have a great idea of the individual little, like every microscopic sin that might be out there, but I can look for the areas where there's chaos in my life. I can look for the areas that it's out, out of step with God's good order. And it feels like there's a, a pull at the fabric of my, my world here, my universe. And how can I maybe set that right? And so that's my encouragement maybe for the, the next week. And before we get to our next reframe, uh, or redefinition of sin. That sounds good. Yeah, I can definitely walk away and I'm all, I'm already considering, you know, where in my life do I feel chaotic and um, trying to listen to the spirit in that. So thank you for letting me be on the podcast today, for letting me attempt hosting. Um, it's always fun to be here and I look forward to hearing more about sin. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I'm hopefully there's a few more people out there that feel that way as well. And uh, one, I, I want to say as we wrap up here too, uh, you made a good point there about just taking it to the spirit. Again, anything that we say, uh, encourage you to go and pray about it if it doesn't make sense to you, or if you maybe are feeling like oh, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that, something like that. That's okay. We embrace that. You know, we want to dialogue well. We want to uh, continue to grow. And so, if this has been a challenge for you, go to the Lord in prayer. Seek out the answers that you're looking for. Send us an email, jake at missioncitykc.com. I'd love to hear your feedback and uh, what we, how we can better describe or maybe clear some things up for you. So we love you guys so much. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. We'll be back next Thursday for episode two in our Redefining Sin series. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.